0: You are listening to the Cross Point Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Miracles, where we take a behind the scenes look at the miracles of Jesus and how they can apply to our everyday life uh, this week um, uh, this week I had to uh take the car in or the van in there's a little bit of oil leak uh from a previous oil change and ended up being just a little little you know overing gasket deal and and so t- took it in and we take it to firestone over there by uh on the glenstone side of uh battlefield mall And whenever i when, when we have car work done i take it in and i walk into uh, battlefield mall and go sit at starbucks and i work do sermon prep and etc and and as I go into the battlefield mall there on that side that the Starbucks is in towards Glenstone uh, I, I always go down to the bathroom to you know make sure everything is uh, taken care of so I can fill it back up and uh, as I walk down the hallway there's a there's a there's a vending machine there coke vending machine uh, and this gentleman comes up and I immediately to the vending machine not to me to the vending machine I immediately and that if you came after me this would be really weird uh, uh, up to the vending machine he, Perturbed, and his voice was was audibly perturbed, and he, he he said, "How much? How how am I supposed to know how much these things are?" That's why it would have been awkward if he had been asking me that. But um, so th- this lady walked up with him up to the vending machine. I'm assuming his wife. I mean, they were together, and and, and so. He, they're, they're studying this thing to try and figure out how much the Cokes and the waters and stuff in the vending machines were. Now, as I walk past them, as I walk past them, um, I look at the whole situation, I look at the vending machine. There's a sign right there on the vending machine, right there on the vending machine. It says, sorry for the inconvenience, but this vending machine is temporarily out of order. And being the introvert that I was, I just kept walking right on by. And then as I'm walking in the bathroom, I'm like, I probably should have said something to them. And it's not going to show them the price because it's out of order. Have you ever been blind to a situation? (coughs) Blind to a situation that is right in front of you. Uh, I'm a guy, so, you know, I've looked in the drawer. Looked and looked and looked and searched and searched and searched the thing in the drawer. Closed the door in frustration and said, it's not in there. My wife comes in and three seconds flat, like, finds it. Right, ladies, right? Amen, ladies, yeah. I'm also a soccer referee, so people believe, you know, I'm blind. <laughs> Usually I'm not the one that's blind, but that's a separate issue. In fact, I, I was in Dallas this weekend at a referee conference, and some of you are just completely confused by that. because Referee conference, like, is that like old blind people telling young blind people how to be blind. Like, is that how that works? And kind of something, something kind of sort of like that. But maybe you've been blind to a situation that's right in front of you, or you've known somebody that's been blind to a situation. You're just going, uh, do I say anything about this? Or We're in the middle, actually concluding next week, a series called Miracles. We're taking a look at the miracles of Jesus, the seven miracles of Jesus that John recorded. And John was a disciple of Jesus. He's a guy that walked with Jesus for two and a half to three years, and he eyewitnessed every one of these miracles. And before he died, before John died, he wrote down all of these these miracles. But also something else that he said about these miracles is that if I wrote down everything that Jesus did, all the paper in the world would not be able to hold this, the, the, the pages needed to write down what Jesus did. He just told, chose seven. Why did he choose these seven? He chose these seven, he told us, because he wanted to grow people's belief in Jesus. So no matter where you are right now in your belief in Jesus, if you hear the word miracle and you say, "Huh, uh nope, myth good story maybe a story with a point maybe I can go there but but miracle really No, I no, that's okay I'm glad you're here you know why because John wrote these miracles down to meet you where you are so that your faith can grow your faith in Jesus can grow but if you're like me like most people that grew up in suburbia Bible Belt America you've heard these stories since since preschool Sunday school right Flannel board Jesus, and Jesus goes walking in, and he's carrying the lamb and stuff, and, and he does something, and oh, it's cool. You've heard the same stories. The stories have always ended the same way. And now you're going, yep, he healed a guy. Woo!" And we lose our awe and wonder the fact that he healed a man. And you're like, is there something more? Is there something more to grow my faith and grow my belief? And John wrote these miracles for you, too, of growing your faith in who Jesus is. And today, the miracle we're taking a look at is a miracle that he did with the blind man. And because every miracle is more than a miracle, there's a miracle behind the miracle, there's a story behind the story, because if, if Jesus just did a miracle just for the miracle's sake, and there wasn't a miracle behind the miracle, if there wasn't a story behind the story, doing a miracle for the miracle's sake would just be a magic trick. And he healed the blind man, and the miracle behind the miracle is pointing towards our spiritual blindness. Blindness. See, we can be blind about looking for a tape measure in a drawer, or we can be blind about seeing a sign on a vending machine. But no matter where we're standing with Jesus right now, I think that we probably would all have some sort of agreement here that being blind spiritually, no matter what spiritually means to you right now, being blind spiritually is a bigger deal than not seeing a tape measure in a drawer. And so how do we not be blind spiritually? But more importantly, I mean, how, and how can we be blind spiritually? And how can we overcome being blind spiritually? This story is going to give us all of that. We're going to be in John chapter 9. You can follow along in a hardbound Bible. You can get out a smartphone or a tablet and download the Bible app. I highly encourage you to download the Bible app. We, we put an event in, into the Bible app each week so that you can uh, follow along with the, with the story each week. We throw up the scriptures up on the the screen as well for you to follow along with. But in the Bible app, you can take notes. You can email those notes to yourself. You can email them to Evernote. You can uh, share on Facebook and Twitter what God is sharing with you, and I encourage you to do that. John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, now his disciples, sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. They got one wrong here. Why was this man born blind, his disciples asked? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Who, who cursed this man? What happened to this man that he is cursed with the sickness, that he is cursed with blindness? Who sinned, him or his parents? In in many regions of the world today, that is still the prevailing mindset. If you're disabled, you're cursed by God. How did that happen? What did you do? What did your parents do? And really, in some ways, this mindset filters still into the American culture. But you know how a lot of ways this filters into the American culture? Maybe it's because of somebody saying this about somebody else, but I think predominantly, it's about us saying it about us. There's something we don't like with ourselves. There's some fatal flaw that keeps showing up. There's some, there's some deformity. There's some deal. There's some suffering. There's some sickness. There's some something. There we go. Why, why, why am I so cursed? What did I ever do to God? What sin is he paying me back for? This is the mindset that the disciples had. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned by us, by the one who sent us. The night is coming and no one can work, but while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Here's what Jesus is wanting his disciples to grasp. This is, this is what he is discipling into his disciples. This concept right here. This is what he wants his disciples to get before he dies soon and leaves them. This is what he wants them to get. This guy's situation, his suffering, his blindness, his cursing, you want to say, isn't a cursing from God. It is there put by God so that the power of God can be seen in his life. This isn't in the notes. This isn't on the cheat sheet. This is free. I ain't gonna pay, you ain't going to have to pay for this statement. What's going on in your life right now, your suffering, your deal, your it, your cursing that you think isn't there by God to get back at you or to get back at some sin. It is put there by God so that the power of God can be seen by others in your life. That's the mindset, that's the perspective that that Jesus wants his disciples to see, the 12 that were walking with him, but his disciples today, he wants them to see that the the power of God is always at work in the world. And that's spiritual blindness when we can't see the power of God at work in the world. For those of you that know the story, Then Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Jesus was disgusting. This is gross, right? I mean, imagine being the blind man. Imagine being the blind man. You're sitting there, standing there, whatever, blind, can't see a thing. Been blind since birth, used to this. You hear some people walking up. You can tell that it's a crowd of people, that it's a group of people, and you hear something you've heard time and time and time again. Hey, rabbi. Hey, teacher. Hey, hey, hey. This guy that's sitting here that's blind. Is he blind because of his parents' sins or for his own sins? And the guy's sitting there going, I'm blind, not deaf, thank you. And he hears a guy Stick up for him and go, no, fellas, neither. So that the power of God can work in his life. So that you can see the power of God. That see there, it's ironic and it's throughout this entire story. It's there for a purpose. So that that people can see the power of God at work in his life. And the guy, imagine being the blind guy sitting there going, the power of God, the power of God, where is the power of God? I've been sitting here, I've been blind since birth. What is the power of God? What would the power of God do? What what, what do you mean the power of God? And then all of a sudden you hear, and then you feel a slimy substance on your eyes. And you're going, the power of God? Why? What, what, what is going on here? I want to know what's going on, but I don't want to want to know what's going on. This, aha! What's she doing to me? What's going on? What do you mean the power of God? And the power of God in this? This is disgusting. He didn't ask for a miracle now, did he? He was just simply sitting there. He didn't ask for Jesus to spit on the ground and put the mud made by saliva on his eyes. Jesus kind of painted him into a corner, didn't he? Jesus put the mud on his eyes and goes, Go wash. Gladly. (laughs) Thank you for dismissing me to go do that. I mean, appreciate it. That's what I was going to do anyway. And when he washed in the pool of Siloam, which means sent, can't be sent until we see. When he washed, he could see again. I mean, he—not even again, right? I misspoke. He could see for the first time ever. I mean, we're—we're we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. preschool, Sunday school, right? Flannel board, I Come on, the guy never had seen before. This is before LASIK surgery, people. And he could see. He could see color for the first time. He could see faces for the first time. But imagine the hurt. I mean, you go into a movie theater and come out, and it's bright sunny, and you're like, ah, right? Come on, imagine that. He could see. He's excited. I mean, I can see. Who are you going to go tell? Your BFF, right? Facebook, Twitter, I can see. He goes to his neighbors and he's expecting, hey, 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 hey I can see. And ah, 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 I can't believe it. Right? This is what he's expecting. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, "Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg?" Isn't this is fascinating, huh? It's not the answer he was expecting. Eh. And then some. Some said he was, and others said, "No, nah, he just looks like him." But the beggar kept saying, "Yes." I'm the same one. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the neighbor. I'm the person. I was blind. Now I can see. I don't don't know what happened. I think I know what happened. I don't want to know what happened. I don't want to know what really happened, but I can now see. Who healed you? What happened? He told him the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now? Like, Can you not focus on me seeing, Okay. Stop asking questions. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know. I don't care. I can see. But at best, the the response was, eh. (laughs) Everybody else was like, Sam put you out to this, didn't he? Sam, where's Sam? Little trickster. You look like Sam. Where's Sam? Come on, come on, come on, come on, man. Sam, I can't believe that you would trick us like that. That's a good one. That's a good one. April Fool's got me. Oh, I'm the one. We're spiritually blind if we don't think that God at work is physically possible. It's not physically possible. Now, this could range from I don't know if I even believe in God. You know what? I'm glad you're here. because We want God to start showing Himself that He can work. It also range to the religiously, physically impossible. I think we've all been there. I don't know if sharing about God or I don't know if about telling them about church or Jesus. I don't know if that would work. I mean really saying God that's not physically possible to save them why can I recognize this blindness because I have that conversation with myself often about people you know what We're spiritually blind. We're blind to seeing God work in that situation because we're saying, God, it's physically impossible for you to work in their life and so therefore we would never see him work in their life. God is always at work for the salvation of people. Always. Everyone. All he's asking us to do is join him in that. We need to overcome our blindness. In fact, I'd rather you be in a spot saying I don't know if God's even real. I don't know if you can do miracles. I'd rather you be in a spot there than being in a spot of saying it's impossible for that person to be saved. Because at least you can have a curiosity. Saying they can't be saved, you've lost curiosity about what God could could do. What else? What else would make us blind? Then they, his neighbors, took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. Back in the law, way back in the law, when when, when God gave Moses the law, uh, if a miracle happened, they were supposed to verify the miracle by by taking the the person the miracle happened to to the religious leaders of the day, and that religious leader would verify, yes, this was a miracle. I don't know what they did. I don't know if they put a stamp on the guy's forehead. Verified. You know, miracle. I don't know. But the religious leaders of the day had to verify a miracle. So they were taking them to the Pharisees to verify a miracle. At this point in time, kind of got jacked up and, 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 and messed up and, 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 and kind of just all messed up. But now the religious leaders are looking at this guy. And there's a big problem. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told him, he put the mud over his eye, over my eyes. And then when I washed, I could see. So the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God. For he's working on the Sabbath. I mean, there's a big problem here. This man was working on the Sabbath. He did work. He did a miracle on the Sabbath. <laughs> this blind guy's probably still like, I can't see. I don't care. I can see. Does anybody understand that I was blind and now I can see? Key word here, see. I don't care when it happened. What kind of work did Jesus do? He hawked a loogie. That was the work. Some of you are like, that's work. Like, whatever. Okay, fine. But it did not even work. Religious leaders are all upset about this. But others said, how could this ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. We're freaked out today about a deep division of opinion over Jesus. Get used to it. It's been around. A deep division of of difference of an opinion about Jesus is a chance for God's power to work. But this is among the religious people. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. I mean, there's a period there, but I have to think that he, that, that was a question sentence. Prophet, I guess. This one's more dangerous. More dangerous. Pharisees were like, it's Jesus' guy, he's a sinner. He's a sinner. God's not at work here, it's Satan that's at work. Why is this dangerous? Well, in the other three Gospels, the other three Gospels, Jesus called this the blasphemy of the Spirit. And those of you that have recognized that phrase know that Jesus said this is the only unforgivable sin. See, blasphemy of the Spirit isn't just saying, I blasphemy the Spirit. It's way too simple. Blasphemy of the Spirit, contextually, if you actually read the story, is that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, Jesus just did a miracle, and the religious leaders came up to Jesus and said, I know you're from Satan. The works you're doing are from Satan. You're not from God. Jesus said, because you're attributing the work of God to Satan, that's blasphemy of the Spirit, and that's an unforgivable sin." This is dangerous. Jesus himself said this is unforgivable. How does this look today? Tell you how this looks today. That church over there, they're growing. People are getting baptized. Something's happening. They must be watering down the gospel. Satan must be at work the dangerous place to be we as a church are not in the position to call somebody else's work from God or from Satan and we are not in a place to call somebody else's statement blasphemy or not blasphemy all I can say is in-house we gotta be careful about that attitude and in house, if we hear and follow Jesus, we've got enough work to do that we're not worried about how anybody else does it, and we will just come alongside those that we believe are are, are advancing the kingdom and building the kingdom. We stay true to His word. All the all the all the letters that that maybe you're starting to think about, like you know, Paul said about, about, about theology and heresy and all of that. You know what? He wrote to specific churches to make sure that what was happening inside that church was pure, not for them to start casting stones at other churches. So we make sure what we are doing is based on Jesus and we're focusing on Jesus and his word. And we're hearing and following Him. And if we're hearing and following Him as individuals and as a church, we don't have time to write a blog about how somebody else is wrong. And for those of you that's, what the, what, that's the Christianity that you've experienced, I'm sorry because Jesus wasn't about that sort of religion. And we will be blind to God at work if we attribute God at work to Satan at work. How else can we be blind? The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know that this is our son. That he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. You're going, awesome parents. He gets worse. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. They would be de-synagogued. That is why they said he is old enough. Ask him. (laughs) Parents are like, hey, kid. Boom. Have fun with that bus I just threw you under. We're blind if we're in CYA mode. And there's no apostrophe there. What does that mean? Ask somebody else, I'm not going to tell you. This is what it looks like. We show up on Monday, somebody's like, hey what would you do this weekend? I got sleep in. My kid had a game. And I got the mow. Anything else? No. Never anything about Jesus. Never anything about God working. Never anything about how God is working in church. Never anything about attending. Never anything about what God is do- doing in your life and what you're seeing. You yourself. Now, in that day, in the synagogue, The synagogue had everything to do with getting a job, social status, marketplace, everything. Today, all we're worried about is people rolling their eyes at us. But how can I recognize this blindness? I'm susceptible to this one as well. What would they think? How dumb is that, right? Dumb is that. We'll never see God at work if we're always trying to cover ourselves and and, and and worry about what people might think. Do we need to be smart? Yes. Be intelligent. But God's always at work in people's hearts and people's lives. He'll tell us how we need to engage with them. Hey, can I pray for you? Hey, this is a perfect week for this, right? Easter. More people are interested in coming to church because it makes them feel good that they went to church on Easter, right? Perfect week. We can come in with boldness because we're like, we know you want to go to church. We're in suburbia Bible Belt. You want to go to church this week because you feel guilty about not going to church, and so it's Easter. So we invite. It's a perfect week for this. And we want to see over 100 people here, but not just over 100 people, 100 people who don't know Jesus or have walked away from Him or have been burnt or whatever. But we'll be blind if we're always looking to cover ourselves. one more one more blindness guy went back to the Pharisees it's the Pharisees times two this is this is doubly blind for the Pharisees they started asking him again and the guy was like I can see we've established this and I told you you guys wanting to be his disciples too like what's going on here then they cursed him to be graphic to be graphic they told the guy go to hell you are his disciple but we are the disciples of Moses we know God spoke to Moses but we don't even know where this man comes from nice right What else will bring us to blindness? We'll be following tradition. Following the rules. Following the law. We'll end up telling a whole bunch of people to go to hell who just simply want to know who Jesus is. The same Moses that that these men referenced, God's power was at work first to establish relationship with people who didn't have relationship with him so that then he could give them the law so that they could have a joyful life, an abundant life. The power of God is at work to establish relationship, hear and follow relationship with people before the rules. So if we want to see God at work, we've got to see God at work before the rules come into effect. So the people who are far from God can see Jesus. They want to follow him. Because you know what? If people hear and follow Jesus, guess we'll, where they will end up? Right? Smack Dab inside the law. The true law. The law that produces life the law that produces joy, the law that produces abundance. Not just following rules, but following a man. He'll never lead us into sin. But we have to establish relationship first. That's why we're connecting people to people first. People to God next. If we're worried about tradition, we're worried about the rules, we'll be blind, completely blind, to what God is doing. So, how do we not be spiritually blind? When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. This is brilliant. This is awesome. You have seen him. You know, you know the, guy, the, guy, the guy that you couldn't see, but now you can't see? You know the, you, you know the guy that, that when, when you couldn't see, he came up to you and then, then he did something and now, now you can't see? You know that guy? You know that guy? You've seen him. It's physically possible now for you to see the Son of Man. And he is speaking to you. I am him. I am the son of man. I am the guy that you've heard whispers about. I am the guy that you've heard about, talked about in the Old Testament, that he is coming, that he, he, will, he will come to restore. I'm him. Yes, Lord, I believe. The man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Jesus. What did this look like? Does this look like the man just breaking out in our God right there in front of everybody? Like some some sort of high school musical meets Jesus meets Glee, some sort of thing like that. Like he just breaks out in song because that's worship, right? Singing. Or did he just bow down at his feet? Did he start kissing his feet? Did he start crying? A couple of months back, I talked about a story of when Elijah went to his first grade year and a friend from kindergarten comes in and goes, hey, it's Elijah, my oldest. It's Elijah, it's Elijah, it's Elijah. Is that what the guy started doing? Hey, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the Son of Man. It's the Messiah. It's the man. It's him right here. I think it could have been all of that. But you know, in the totem pole of worship, Sorry, Phil. Music's probably the lowest. Why? Doesn't take a whole lot of time. Doesn't take a whole lot of reputation. And it definitely doesn't take any sacrifice. Romans 12.1 tells us that worship is us being a living sacrifice. You're so like, what? Well, Living sacrifice, what does that mean? I walk into my, my work tomorrow and lay down on my boss's desk and give him a knife and go right, right about here, right about here. Living sacrifice, right, right about here. No, please don't do that. Please, don't want that call. It means we walk into work tomorrow and we go, God, I don't want to be blind to what you're doing here in my workplace. Can you show me what you're doing so I can hear and follow you? God, I don't want to be blind to what you're doing right here in my neighborhood. Can you show me so that I can hear and follow you? God, I don't want to be blind at what you're doing in my school. Students, students, what you're doing in my school, I'm I'm here to hear and follow you. You know what that is? Worship. The worship that God accepts. The worship that is pleasing to God. The worship that, that filters up into his nostrils and is a pleasing aroma to him. Walking into tomorrow going, I'm a living sacrifice for you. Whatever you want, I'm here. You're at work, so I'm here. And Jesus told him, I enter this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? (laughs) You're quick. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Like, did Jesus just enter in the opposite world here? What's going on? clue. There's a clue. There's a clue in the man's response to Jesus. When Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? There was a clue. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? There was a clue. I want to believe. See, being blind is good because when you are blind, you want to see. When you are blind, you believe there's something outside of you that needs to happen. You can't do it yourself. You want. You want to believe. You want to desire. See, when you see, you're sitting there going, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need anything more. I'm good. Guess what? You're one of these four. Guaranteed. There's somewhere that you are. Maybe doubly blind somewhere. If you're like, I'm good. You sit in the church all your life and go, I'm good. I I see. I don't need any more. You're blind. And when you're blind, you're going, I can't see squat. I need Jesus. See, this is why Jesus talked about the light at the very beginning. When I am with you, you will have light. I'm with you when you're seeking after me. When, I'm, uh, when you're coming in and leading into me because you want to believe and you want to, want to desire. And, 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 and you know what bent up belief and bent up desire is? Worship. 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 When you want to believe, and when you want to desire, that comes out in worship. So we'll worship whatever we believe in and whatever we desire, won't we? When we go, I I can't see a thing. And we come and we worship Jesus and flow that belief and that desire into Jesus, He gives us the light. I'm scared to death for the next stage of Crosspoint because not really been there. And we've got our own building. I mean, we've got our own space. We went there, but expanding that space. We've, we haven't been there. But I believe step by step by step, God's giving us light to exactly where He wants us go and what he wants us to do. Not to pat ourselves on the back because we're getting bigger, but because he wants more people who are blind and want to see and give them the opportunity to see. The question is this morning, are you blind? Because being blind is good. Because When we're blind, we want to believe more. We want to desire more. Because we know there's more, way more, that we can't see. So, as the band plays, we enter into a time of worship. Simply lay your desire and your belief at Jesus' feet and say, I want more. Of you, I want more. I need you to light my way. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to show me how you work, etc. I need more. Shelly and myself will be back there if you need to pray with somebody. But use this time to worship Jesus through song. Say, Jesus, I'm blind. Can you help me see? dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Pray that you'll move. Show us our blindness. Do something in us that makes us realize that being blind is actually good. That we'll be able to see then because you will reveal it to us. That you as the creator of this universe, the creator of life, that whatever question we have, You'll answer at some point in time or not. Reveal our blindness to us because we all have blind spots. Let us repent. Let us us be forgiven. desire that you show us what you want. Heal our blindness. In the name of prayer. Amen. Go ahead and stand. If you need to pray, we'll be back here. Otherwise, worship. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship podcast. We truly hope that this progresses your belief in Jesus. Connect with us on Facebook by searching My Crosspoint.